Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Toronto, the podcast that gives you access to industry pioneers, giving us an opportunity to learn together as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. Twice a month, we will be sitting down with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences to gain valuable insights from their careers and key lessons that they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions with industry trailblazers around hot topics of the moment. This is a fantastic opportunity for career growth, so please join us. Welcome back, HBA members. Today is episode five and our third healthcare leadership interview. I am Christina Bellier, HBA Toronto Marketing and Communications Board member and your host for today's podcast. I am so excited for our guest today because if it wasn't for her passion and determination to launch HBA in Canada, I wouldn't be here engaging with all of you today. She has created an incredible network for women in Toronto and Canada as well. If you've been following us on our LinkedIn page, you know that HBA has now expanded, launching in Montreal. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce Danielle Portnick, the founder, past Toronto Canada president, and current Canada Regional Chair. She's a speaker at the Ryerson Science Discovery Zone. She holds a certified health executive CHE designation and has been published by the Canadian College of Health Leaders and holds a Master's of Biotechnology and an Honours Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Toronto. Just wow. And she is currently the Regional Director, sorry, the Regional Business Director International at Ambry Genetics. I told you, she's very inspiring. Welcome, Danielle, and thank you for being on the podcast today. Please take some time to introduce yourself to our listeners. Thanks, Christina. Thanks for having me. Um, I... Thank you. You probably summed it up better than I ever could. Um, you know, I, for me, the most, the most exciting thing is opportunities like this to get to connect with others and, and, and share the sciences, but also our love for, for the way that we work and the way that we think in Canada. So, um, I mean, my, my story is sort of, I guess the only thing I'll add is it's come full circle. I started in genetics and biotech and academics and, I've since returned to genetics and biotech in in my career, and um, I'm just excited to be able to see what we could do in Canada and and how I can leverage some of the biopharma experience I've had to really changing the way we think about uh, caring for patients proactively. I love that. I was speaking to another group of people about all of the preemptive and again, yeah, proactive is another word for that, uh, healthcare. So, and, and again, I'll keep telling this, our LinkedIn page, uh, we did do a feature on Danielle. So we, uh, you know, already know this, most of us, but for anyone who doesn't know, tell us a little bit about why HBA and why the organization is so important to you. Yeah, I always say HBA is kind of like my home away from home, honestly. Um, I started in a very small organization. We were a team of 10. and you start to realize that you don't necessarily have the same sort of ability to network that you might if you were in sort of a very large pharma or other organization. And I was quite keen to, you know, try and meet others in the space. My boss had actually said I should look for a female mentor. And I I sort of needed a way to 
to do that, um, I, rather than just going one-on-one or one-by-one, that didn't really seem very effective to me for some reason. Um, and then, you know, I think the other piece was, you know, I, as much as I loved my job and I loved what I was doing, I, I always kind of wanted to do something more and I didn't really know what that was. So the combination of those two things got me, you know, looking around for what was available in terms of different uh, networking organizations or leadership organizations within the healthcare space. And I came across the HBA, started, you know, scouring the website, quickly realized it wasn't available in Canada. And, you know, I just, I don't know why it occurred to me, but I thought, well, why aren't they? Why aren't they in Canada? That doesn't make sense. So uh, especially given, you know, the, the hub that we've got. So I sent them an email and lo and behold, there were a couple of other women who were thinking and feeling the same way. And um, that's sort of what got it started. But anyways, I tell that story to say, you know, just even in that moment, there were another four women who were thinking like I was, who wanted Mm -hmm. that much more. And if there were four more, then there might be 20 more, there might be 50 more, there might be 100 more, whatever that looks like. But, you know, I think the ability to really facilitate those connections, both locally and across the country, um, and across healthcare, so not just in industry, but across everything that touches this space, that idea just got really exciting to me because I think there's just so much incredible potential in perspective. And this was an organization where you could really bring all of that together in one place. Um, and then, you know, it was never just about, once we got it started, it was never just about like the GTA. It was really all about sort of that that scalability and what could this be 10 years from now if we got this to be across the country? What could that look like? And how could we really impact people? And stories that I've heard um, since we've started this, it, that, that drives me, that motivates me every day. And again, and I think, um, and I've even told you my experience and, and that's the thing being in Ottawa, I remember too Googling, you know, what networks are there and being, you know, working with pharma very closely, but being outside of pharma, I never really felt like I fit anywhere until I found the HBA and it's been amazing and sort of my personal professional growth, everything. So I can't, you know, speak highly enough of, of the HBA and what you, you know, what we've done being on the board and what you've done by kind of really getting those, you know, getting the wheels in motion, if you will. And yeah, I think it would be great. You know, I'm so excited. We're having our second chapter opening up in Montreal. And now I can split my time greedily between, you know, two of them, because I'm kind of <laughs> almost in the middle. But um, so thanks. So we're going to start off the interview with some career questions before we kind of dive a little bit uh, deeper into some, you know, get to know your personal questions. Give me one word to describe your leadership style. That's a good question. Uh, I, I would say I'm, I'm sort of a facilitator of ideas. Um, and I realize it's probably not a recognized leadership <laughs> style. But um, I think after all of this work, it's really taught me that the perspective you need is often the one you don't have. So I really like to empower uh, my teams, whether it's you know, someone who works with me or reports to me or somebody across the organization to share their expertise, to share their thoughts and to try and ask the questions to really generate those interesting dialogues or those interesting discussions and have some of those uh, potentially challenging but really yeah. dynamic conversations. Uh, I think that's really where we we come together and we innovate. Um, so that's, that would probably be it for me. 
And I love that. I mean, I think we've talked a lot um, with the other leaders about how you're making people feel seen and, and heard. And it's always nice when someone asks you for your opinion. So I, I love that. And, you know, a lot of people probably respond very well to that. Um, so next question, you can kind of take a, a career or personal lens or both on it. What would you say are some of your biggest accomplishments so far? Mm. I mean, besides the HBA, because obviously, you know, <laughs> listeners, that is huge and takes up a lot of her time. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what, I think one, one accomplishment that um, I think is really important to me is the opportunities that I've had to be able to speak at different uh, events or different organizations. I, I went to an art school way back in high school, and I just I loved it and I love what you can do with a really good presentation I love that you can inspire people with a great story um, and I've had the opportunity to do that both um, at national events at uh, regional events at at university level events corporate events so um, you know it's never it was not really something I kind of expected to happen but I kind of you know I fell into it and I love it and I love the, the feedback that I've been able to to get from people I think that again to me that means more than anything that you can help inspire someone or change their perspective on something um, and then maybe the other thing was you know just in general career-wise to sort of be in the position I am today where I'm I'm able to work on an international front with a number of different organizations um, and do that from Canada and really represent Canada well. Uh, it's it's been a dream of mine to you know go international, if you <laughs> will. And and I know usually when we say that we think about you know you're moving to Switzerland or you're moving to the U.S. But um, I actually I quite appreciate the fact that I get to do that you know from Canada because it's given me the incredible opportunity to share so much of what I love about this country with everyone I work with yeah. around the world. But, and that's amazing. And I was even saying that. To, so for people outside of healthcare, you don't realize that we're not a huge power player as much as we think we are in, in healthcare. So people like you saying like, hey, you know, don't forget about us over here. I mean, the impact that you're having is, is just, I don't think you could even track that. Oh, we're small, but we are definitely <laughs> mighty. <laughs> yes, I agree. So what if CEOs and leaders do you look up to and who inspires you? Yeah, well, I, I have to say I spent the last eight years working for someone called Robin Hunter, who um, is now the GM of uh, a startup in Canada, Tolmar Pharmaceuticals. Um, he, he was my GM. He was my mentor, my coach, my sponsor. He Like, honestly, wow. he just, he shaped my career and my perspective in so many ways. Um, I, I don't know that I would be where I am if not for him. He was a huge, huge person and we don't work together anymore, but uh, I have incredible, incredible respect for him. Um, you know, I'd say outside of that, some of the, the female leaders that I've had a chance to work with as well, like certainly, you know, Carol Stiff has been a huge, huge uh, part of my life, especially as we started HBA. Um, Marissa Poole, who just actually just left us back mm -hmm. to the U.S., uh, she, especially from from a um, diversity and inclusion standpoint, she was just a force to be reckoned with. So, um, you know, I think having those incredible, incredible people, it's, you know, you can't, 
you can't replace that having that in your life. No, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, my favorite stories too are the people, you know, that are that show leadership and mentorship within their organization to to people. And I think it's always, you know, great if you've had that or if you haven't, um, you know, you want to pay it forward or look for someone. I've I've heard Robin speak and he was very funny and very engaged <laughs> at a few conferences. So I can see um why you yeah. love them in so, such high regard. And, and I actually love that you did some examples from, you know, from just from home. I, I, I know that we all love you know, people like Renee Brown, but it's nice when you, we have people to look to within our own sector that are really paving, you know, the way for the, you know, the future and, yeah. and for women as well. So that's great. So in, in all the free time that you seem to have, how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things in your roles? <laughs> I laugh because I don't think you have a lot of free time. <laughs> yeah, um, you know what? I honestly, I find I've um, I've spent my career sort of being a learn on the go type person, and I've approached everything that way. So it doesn't really matter you know, what the role is or what the job is or what the project is, um, there's always going to be something. And and so I'm a big believer of just figuring out what resources you have available to you and, and the most efficient way to take those on. So um, believe it or not, whether it's like YouTube or people in your company or externally, um, I just, every single chance I have to connect with any of those resources I take it, you know, you might have a free moment, I don't know, on the subway, you might have a free moment while you're going for a walk, you might have connected with somebody for like a quick introduction. And then during that, you know, that phone call, you realize they're like a super expert in like, I don't know, creative thinking. There's always something that you can take out of those conversations. So any chance that I have to um, try and really leverage the expertise around me. Um, I learn a lot from people uh, more than anything. In, and I try and replicate just the incredible work that I see around me. That's amazing. Yeah, it all just starts with a quick conversation. And I mean, I think one of our conversations was quite quick. And when we met at an event and yeah. I mentioned the HB and I was like, oh, okay, it's in Canada. I'm signing up for that. <laughs> To, to get into this and also to plug HBA we do have a lot of courses for both prof professional and personal development um, that you can find that don't take very long and are all recorded or live so going to get the plug in there um, so you mentioned art school so it kind of flows into the next question talk a little bit about why you chose a career in healthcare and what your first job in the industry was Oh, well, I was going to be a doctor. Oh. <laughs> I think most I think most people probably are thinking about going into healthcare kind of start somewhere in that direction and, and end up changing. But um, I, when I went into life sciences at U of T, I thought for sure I wanted to be an anesthesiologist. I was oh. sort of obsessed with, yeah, with the idea of, of um, sort of being in the surgical suite, um, but not I didn't want my hands inside anybody. That was just never something that, <laughs> that yeah. was never on the table for me. So, um, but I kind of, I find the surgeries fascinating. So I thought that might be sort of an interesting way to be involved and um, really support patient care. And as I got to university, I quickly realized um, that 
was just not going to be the, the path for me. I took a course in second year on um, biotechnology and, and immediately I was like sucked into that. I, I knew I wanted to be on sort of the innovative side of things and really mm-hmm. bringing all of these incredible therapies and, and diagnostics and services to, to the market. So that's, that's sort of what kind of brought me in. And um, from there, it, it kind of wrote itself. I, my, the director of my program at the time was also the director of the master's program out of U of T for biotechnology. So the more time I spent with him, the more I wanted to be involved in the industry and one thing led to another. And, and obviously here I am today. Um, my first job and how I got started actually came through um, that master's program. So the Biotech program at U of T offers um, a one-year internship with different companies across the industry. And mm. it's incredibly competitive to get into. I believe there's only about 40 spots in the biopharma stream. Um, but effectively, everyone in the program gets an internship because you're bringing in really the best and the brightest and um, you're coaching them and preparing them for really a role anywhere within the sector. So all of the different companies that participate in this program usually have multiple roles. Even smaller companies participate. It's the opportunity to bring in different interns. So um Incredibly, and and you know, believe it or not, I was not one of the first people to get uh, to get picked for my internship. Um, I was one of the the final four uh, to actually land a job, and it was one of the most heartbreaking um, times in my life because <laughs> you go into that program and you you know you are so proud of yourself and what you've accomplished and getting in, and then you can't get a job and you're like, what am I doing wrong? And why is this not working out? (laughs) Um, And then, you know, the job came up um, to work at Icaria and that was sort of the next opportunity for interns to apply or for the students to apply. Um, And I read that description and actually people in my program read that description. They were like, Danielle, that's you. That, that's your, that is it. That's the one. Um, so I, I went in there like guns blazing. I had all kinds of notes and stuff with me that, and actually it was the interview with Robin. Um, and he kept all my notes. <laughs> He's like, can I see that? Because I had, wow. just, I had gone overboard cause I wanted it so, so badly. And I mean, thankfully he, he felt the same. <laughs> so, um, so I ended up getting that job. And, and like I said before, you know, I think I, I owe so much of where I am today to, to that experience and to, to Robin as, as my GM. Yeah. So lesson, you can never be overprepared, I think is what you're saying. <laughs> never, never. And the star interview method preparation that do that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this next one is a bit tricky. So I'm throwing some curveballs. So tell us one thing that you would change about your current position, or maybe, you know, you could even go that's creating a barrier in your current position that you're dealing with. Yeah, well, that's easy in my case. Um, (laughs) (laughs) International at Ambry is, uh, is fairly new. So Right now, um, we're a very small team that's building this out, and and I'm the only person outside of the U.S. Um, And so just in general, when you think about 
everything that comes along with that, right? Whether it's international regulations, policies, uh, procedures, any marketing materials, any communications, anything, anything that you want to do has to be adapted for international. And um, there's no team to do that. So you, you know, you, on one hand, you're, you're sort of driving and in, in building the business. But on the other mm-hmm. hand, you're being a jack of all trades because you're, you have to be that person for the company. You have to be the one who knows what all those processes and policies and regulations mm-hmm. are, who, you know, can truly be an advisor to the organization on how they approach a certain geography. And, and so that's probably the, the biggest challenge right now is being an end of one um, for what, you know, in, in any other organization in Canada would be an end of many. <laughs> yes, I, I feel like um, I can't imagine how busy and and how much information you would need to retain because <laughs> I, I know that uh, speaking with other sort of healthcare leaders over these podcasts is that, yeah, the, the different rules and regulations can actually be vastly different between countries. So yeah. We, we wish you luck with that because what you're building is very exciting and what you brought to you know Canada with this new role is also very exciting like you said putting us on the map so what is I guess we've kind of merged that into the second you know question uh follow-up question a little bit about the biggest challenge in your specific role um so I guess maybe knowing that barrier and having to be a jack of all trades and I think we've had conversations where in your previous role you were a bit of a a jack of all trades as well. So, you know, tell us and give us some advice for when you, when you have to be that person and how to sort of potentially stay sane, I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a good question. Actually, but maybe before I jump into that, I'll just caveat this with, it's also very good to be the jack of all trades in many ways, because <laughs> the experience that you build doing mm-hmm. that is incredible. Um, you know, the things that you learn that you wouldn't necessarily, if you were super hyper-focused, um, I, I've just found this helped me immensely in my career. So all that to say, um, small, medium entities is also very good opportunities for people if you're looking to do more broader work. But, um, you know, in terms of overcoming this challenge, um, it, my approach to this has really been around alliance management. Uh, so when I think about the broader organization, I don't, I, I don't look at it as, as sort of like Amber U.S. and Canada or Amber U.S. and me. Um, you know, really is us yeah. as a whole and how do we make this happen? So, I mean, it, it, it comes down to how and when and why do you involve people across the company? How do you build advocacy and engagement uh, within and across teams to support right. the work that you're doing, even if that work is not necessarily their priority? And I spent a lot of time and I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of months just being hyper-focused on that, really getting to know the teams, the individuals on those teams, what, like what brought people to the organization, why are they here, what drives them, so that you know, when I'm thinking about bringing a project or bringing an opportunity forward, I know what that means to those individuals. I know what the ask is or how that reflects on their end. So I'm, I'm very, very hyper-conscious and, and just aware of what, what that actually looks like or what it means. So I'm, I'm yeah. really trying to build them as a, as a partner versus 
you know, I, oh, I need marketing. Okay, please just handle it. Um, you know, it really yeah. is. How do we, how do we do this effectively together so that we really maximize the opportunity and we minimize the individual workload? Uh, and that, that for me has been, um, I think, crucial to the, the progress that I've been able to make over the past uh, couple months. Uh, but certainly, I think will be crucial to the progress moving forward. And, you know, whether that team expands or not, when you think about any ability to work uh, in an individual position or as a leader, I think we always talk about leading with or without authority. That's just absolutely crucial. That and, and communication, and especially now over communication is always <laughs> an under communication. Yes. And well, it's always interesting. I feel like the theme, you're so right, is the facilitator, the leadership style of being a facilitator, because everything that you just said, it's sort of like clicking of, well, yeah, that actually just kind of flowed and, and linked back to the leadership style. And um, and I, I, it's so interesting that every leader sort of has a very unique, I mean, very common threads, but sort of a unique style. So in, in sort of knowing that, you know, you really create you know, partnerships with everyone you're working with, what would you say your biggest challenge is when it comes to people management? And what would your advice or, or approach be to people management? Yeah, I think the, probably the hardest thing, and I, I don't know if this is, is just for me or for anyone is, it's easy to get so busy that you you can lose sight of how crucial it is to really spend the time understanding your people and, mm -hmm. and coming together with them in a meaningful way. Um, and, and I guess what I mean by that is, you know, it's one thing to do the work together and to assign projects and to try and, you know, be successful in whatever it is that you're doing. I think it's something completely different to build community within your team mm -hmm. and to retain and sustain that feeling throughout the work that you do. So, you know, I think the biggest challenge is that is making sure you have the time to do that and you dedicate the time to do that and the focus. Um, but I think that that approach, if you actually set that up up front, can be the way for you to to facilitate your own success as you move forward. So the way I've done, or the approach I've taken, the way I've done this in the past has been anything, anytime I bring somebody on board, um, you know, whether they're direct report or not, um, I try and do like an integration meeting where we spend a little bit of time, you know, talking about the organization, talking about the values, talking about the mission, you know, where we're going with the departmental responsibility, so on and so forth. But the second part of that is really focused on the individual. You know, what is your communication style? What are your preferences? What are your pet peeves? Um, you know, what's, what's going to make you really happy? If you do anything this year, what does that look like? If you think about your career goals, you know, what's the number one thing I can help you with? And, and I do that so that I really understand that person and their motivations and, and what they need to be successful and to be happy, but also to be able to share my version of that with them so that they can be successful in working with me because it, it has to be a two-way street. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if somebody comes on board and they don't know that I've got I don't know, an open door policy and they feel they've got to email me everything. 
that may be very frustrating for them. And it's just a matter of we never talked about it. Right. So you can avoid so many things if, if you do a meeting like that and, and, um, and not just do it once, but revisit it. So I, I did those and, and we documented them so that it was almost like, like a team yeah. charter without being a, an actual team charter. Yeah. Um, but you, you go back to it quarterly because you're doing quarterly, you know, goal assessment or goal review or development review anyways. So spend the time as a part of that reviewing what you had set out when that person first started and or at the beginning of the year. And, and are you needing those things? Are you achieving those things that you said you were going to do? Are you supporting that person the way that you said you would? And vice versa. Because at the end of the day, you know, whether someone reports to you or not, you're all in that ship together. And whether it mm-hmm. sinks or floats is going to be up to every single individual to make that happen. So you have to be just as on top of how you work with them as they do with you. It really, you know, it really isn't one or the other. It's it's a team effort, truly. And I don't know about anyone listening. I just took so many notes because I was thinking I should really do this to my team. I'm going to book these meetings. So that was, um, that was a perfect way to wrap up the career questions. And thank you. That was actually really insightful. And I think that we can all take a lot away because I think some of those conversations, not that you forget to have them, but even, even for myself and thinking of, of, you know, my boss, it's like, have we had these conversations? So I think it's uh, making the time for these conversations is very important. So, okay. So let's start with some, some of this fun. I love this one. I get so many different things for it. So <laughs> what Uh-oh. are three words that your friends and family would use to describe you? Oh, stubborn would be number one. Um <laughs> Stubborn and, and I don't want to say argumentative, but um, like to debate. <laughs> um, my parents, my family thought I was going to be a lawyer when I was a when I was a teenager, <laughs> so they're they're absolutely shocked. That's not where I ended up. Um, but that that for sure would be my number one. Um, I think relentless would be my other one. Um, I'm always getting told that I, I need to slow down and I can take some time for me and it's okay. <laughs> um, but I, I, when, you know, when you love what you do, you just kind of keep going. And, and so we've had some really good conversations around that. And then maybe um, the third would be, actually my husband said the other day, I'm kind. <laughs> so maybe I'll take his, he said, I'm kind. So you know, and, and I think it just goes back to the, what I was saying earlier, you know, if we can get so bogged up in who we're supposed to be at work and what we're supposed to look like, and you can forget to laugh and you can forget to just kind of be who you are. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. It doesn't matter what your title is or where you work or what you do or your history. So um, I think that to me is just a really important part of, I think, who I am. So I like that you said that you're relentless. So you do a lot. So how do you challenge yourself? Um, you know, with besides doing sort of all of these projects, is there sort of a way that you sort of set up to I'm going to accomplish this, or I'm going to challenge myself by doing, you know, X, Y, Z, or something? Yeah, I think I mean most recently, the challenge for myself is actually the self care piece. Um, 
you know, I think especially moving to everything being virtual, there were, you know, months and months and months of, you know, 10, 12 hours straight in front of your laptop. And you're like, wait a second, I didn't need lunch. Um, Yeah. So I had a number of of good conversations with um, friends, families, colleagues, mentors around that. And that, that has been my challenge is to make sure that, you know, for all the good work that you do, whether it's, you know, for your company, for other people, whatever, whatever you're doing, right. Um, That you find the time to do those things. So, um, one of the things I did was I got a dog, <laughs> which um, I don't know. It's, she's not a COVID dog. I will say that I wanted a dog my whole life. And <laughs> I think I just, I had a couple conversations that just got me over, you know, over yeah. to the other side. And she's been a major way uh, for tackling that because, you know, it, you have to take the time away. You have mm-hmm. to go for walks. You have to um, spend that time and, and it's incredible what it can do for just allowing you to clear your head and take time away. Um, trying to make sure that I, I used to read like crazy. Um, and now it's, you know, news and, and articles that I find, but not mm-hmm. just books, you know, and, and for enjoyment. <laughs> and uh, I, I miss that. I realized, you know, as, as a kid, I think I read like the seventh Harry Potter book that was, yes, I'm a huge nerd, by the way. Um, I read it. It's like 700 pages. And I read that thing like in one night, you know, and yes. it's, it, I haven't been able to do that um, in recent years. And it was a huge part of my life growing up. So trying to get back to some of those things as well and, and really dedicate time to do that. Um, those are, those are the, the couple of things anyways that I've been doing to challenge myself this year. Yes. Yes. Listeners recharge. I know I was the same. I was skipping lunches, you know, staying on early, late. And, you know, my family was like, um, hi, we exist. And you do, we need to find the time to recharge. So you take it from both of us. That's important. And to geek out a little bit, also loved Harry Potter. I am in Ravenclaw, so I don't know what you are, but we took quizzes and I got everyone's socks a couple of Christmases ago that <laughs> everyone's house <laughs> based on the quiz. So yes, definitely. I love to- it. <laughs> yeah. What else to do in COVID? Um, so, and especially speaking of, you know, COVID and, and the challenging times we've all been in, when you do have a bad day, what keeps you motivated to kind of keep pushing forward? Yeah. Um, my husband in many many ways um he well if we want to use COVID as the example so my husband is a nurse manager in long-term care so he has spent COVID effectively living at uh, the place that he works and just trying to make sure that their residents were okay and that they were safe and they had all the protocols in place and and you know they've been doing this at a time where Nurses, um, and I don't know how many people know this, but at least in BC, you ended up having to pick, if you worked at multiple places, you had to pick one place to work. And so just by virtue of that, during the pandemic, they lost staff. So they became short staffed. And, you know, as people have symptoms, you, you know, you go to get tested, you now can't come to work. And so that was just a, a constant, constant problem. And yet, you know, through all that, he, you know, was getting up, um, you know, making breakfast. We um, do some like investment stuff on the side and he was still managing all of that. We've had crazy family things happen um, and he was managing all of that. So, 
you know, I look at, I look at someone like that and you see what they're doing and I'm like, gosh, I can handle this. <laughs> if I can't handle this, then, you know, I need help because he's just, he's a, honestly, he's my inspiration because he, he seems to do it all and he does it well. Being like one of the most caring people that I know. So yeah, that's, you just get yeah. up every day. You look at people who also are getting up every day and doing it and you just keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, perspective. And I mean, a huge thank you to your husband and, and everyone, you know, the nurses in BC that he's working with, because I can't even imagine how challenging it is on, on healthcare and working at the pharmacist association, even hearing, you know, stories from the pharmacists, it does really put it in perspective that, you know what, we can keep doing what we're doing to support these people because, yeah. you know, but what they're facing is, you know, is kind of, you, you can't even I can't even kind of find words for it because it's just, it's, it's, you know, thank you to all our HCP workers across Canada yeah. for the last year and a half. Well, on the flip side is you see the incredible difference that you can, you can make, mm -hmm. right. If, you know, you have one really good phone call or you have one really good story. And we talked about this earlier, but you know, all it takes is like one patient story or one yeah. personal story to like completely flip your day and completely flip your perspective. Right. So, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's a lot of those things that you just, sometimes we miss them because we get so busy, but you know, when you look around, there's enough of them out there. There really is. And I always think at, at the end of this, uh, we need to have some sort of awards for, for people that, you know, in healthcare and especially those, those HCPs and it is, it's an inspiring, I, over the last year and a half, sometimes sort of I fell into healthcare and I can't imagine ever working in another industry because I just fell even more in love, in love with it and became even more passionate than I ever have been about being in healthcare. I'm sure you yeah. feel the same. I okay. do. <laughs> yeah. So okay, getting back to the questions, because we've I'm always sidetracking my guests. So what is your super <laughs> what is your superpower that helps you succeed? in your career, personal, it could be two different superpowers or one. Hmm. Definitely not my memory. I'll tell you that much. I have the worst memory on this planet. Um, except for I songs. I, right? Yes, except for songs. Yes. I'm I a human jukebox, that. everybody. It's my one superpower. <laughs> I don't know how much that helps me in my career, but it's great otherwise when you need a karaoke night or something. <laughs> Um, no, I, you know, I think in work, I, I feel like I'm very, um, very good at prioritizing and sort of managing the, like processing information and managing the way that I, I plan it and I move forward with it. Um, I'm, I'm a hyper planner, so everything is my, my schedule runs my life. I live by the, we talked about this, I live by those 15 minute reminders yeah. that I have a meeting coming up or whatever it is. But, you know, I find that I've, I've figured out a system that, you know, really works for me. And, nice. you know, the one piece of feedback I've gotten consistently throughout my career is I can take on more work than my manager has ever expected that I would, um, you know, and, it's funny because it always starts with, especially with new managers, it's always been a conversation of, 
you know, I need you to be focused. I'm worried about your focus. And, you know, you've got a lot going on. And, and it usually ends up down the line going, oh, okay, now you got this. You, yeah. you know, you're able to take on, on that much work. And, and I, I feel like I kind of need it. Like I, I've had these conversations with myself where I feel like I wouldn't be contributing what I, what I should be if I wasn't doing everything I was doing. But um, I think that all just comes down to figuring out what works really works well for me in terms of how I get things done and yeah. pull it all together. And yeah, it's, it's allowed me just to run some incredible projects that have, I think changed the way we thought about doing business in um, some of my previous roles and hopefully here too at Ambry. And I've only been here for six months, but I look forward to seeing what I can do on the international front and just giving perspective. I always bring it back to that. Always about perspective. Yeah. And very solid time management on your part. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, the last kind of uh, get to know you question is, um, and I love this because I feel like I'm always underestimated, which I actually really love because then I can be like, mm, surprise. But so what <laughs> would you say is the one thing that people seem to misunderstand about you? Huh. Well, I would say the one thing I've gotten maybe a couple of times is um, approachability if they don't know me. Um, and I I don't know if that comes down to like societal norms and, you know, if you don't know somebody and you're just looking at like what they do or what they've done or mm-hmm. whatever it might be that sort of you know, we used to kind of sum somebody up before we go to meet them. Um, yeah. But I, I've, I've had that, that feedback um, quite a bit is that for those who don't know me, it's, I, I could feel somehow unapproachable. And so it's been, that's been sort of a labor of love, if you will, over the, <laughs> like over my career to try and make sure that, you know, there's as much as I can, there's like, there's a warmth in my presence. And so people see that, you know, I'm, I'm just as goofy and, and ridiculous and human as everybody else. Um, and, and, you know, completely and utterly approachable. <laughs> yeah. So, so listeners, when we are finally back to in-person networking, definitely approach Danielle. And I remember, you know, I sort of was like, I, this girl looks you know, chic and smart and sophisticated. I'm going to go say hi. And, and then we started chatting. I was like, she's very intelligent and knows her stuff. And this is great. So, and really, and now we're here talking because we had a conversation at a pharma, you know, networking. Well, I think it was an event, but there was networking. Yeah. Yeah. And please come talk to me. I'm about to find <laughs> the pigeons on my windowsill at this point. <laughs> so oh no. I will I will take all the in-person um conversations I can get. <laughs> oh, I hope that's soon. Okay, so to wrap up, we have sort of five rapid fire questions. And I've been I've been failing at explaining this. So try to do um if you can one word answer, just like the first thing that comes to the top of your mind. Um and if it's right. you know, one or two words, that's okay too. Okay, so question one, what do you enjoy doing in your free time? Running. What animal are you the most like, or what is your spirit animal? Mm. A cheetah. 
<laughs> what ignites your passion? Uh, stories, personal stories, those two words. <laughs> Works. What is your happy place? Home. And what is at the top of your bucket list? Machu Picchu. Oh, wow. <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, my daughter actually missed a trip to Peru because of COVID. So no. She's to do, yeah, we're, she's trying uh. to reschedule. That's amazing, though. I love that. Well, I hope you get to go when we're, you know, we're open and we can travel again. I mean, that's, I just can't wait. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time. Again, I can't sort of, I, I sort of lose the words in trying to express, um, the impact you've had on my life. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, thank you doesn't seem to encompass it, but I'll at least go with thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's honestly been my pleasure. Well, great. And, you know, thanks again for being on the podcast. So listeners that wraps up another leadership, uh, healthcare leadership interview. And I know that Danielle has inspired you as much as she has inspired me and still continues to inspire me. As mentioned earlier, make sure to follow our LinkedIn page. We've got some great announcements of what's going on that you won't want to miss. Um, it's HBA Canada region. You, wanna, you, know, you don't want to miss it, any of the exciting opportunities. Uh, we just, again, are launching Montreal. So for anyone you know in Ottawa or Montreal, stay tuned for that uh, coming. And next up, we have our September hot topic dropping at the end of the month. And believe me, you won't want to miss this one. So thank you so much, listeners. I want to give a big thanks to our HBA community for listening today. I am Christina Bellier, Marketing and Communications Board Member and your host for today's podcast. And until next time, let's push boundaries and rise together.